And so we all went down in like our minivans and we're like pumping in sync and so excited <laughs> to see in sync. And I was very excited to see in sync too. I mean, they were in sync in 1999. Come on, uh, yeah. who was Timberlake I mean, in like, 1999? Yeah, like, I was as big of a Justin Timberlake fan as as anybody else, but I was also very excited to see this person named Mia Hamm. Welcome into the Train with the Best podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. Chris Gores. And with us in the Zoom today, simply put, a legend. U.S. Women's National Team legend. Uh, she now is with Fox Sports on the television side, but so much more as we'll get into. It's Heather O'Reilly. Great friend of yours, Chris. Uh, hey this is a long time coming. I can't believe this, it's taken us this long, considering how close you and Chris are. Um, but so glad that we can finally get you on the podcast. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you guys, and I guess it takes me to be on a reality competition <laughs> show in order to warrant a spot on the podcast which i'm sure that we'll get into shortly yeah right. i'm gonna say well, this is that's... this is our fault we we should have had you so long ago uh, chris that actually i'm true. putting this on you this is 100 your it's fault a, it's on me you're right it's on me <laughs> I, I you know i am uh admittedly I, I i am pretty lazy about asking my friends to be on the show because like, hey, it was just a friend. So I don't think of her as like, hey, I can't wait to get you on the pod. Right. Like, so there's been a lot of our friends that like we waited till episode 150 to get Brandon Geyer on or whatever it was. Right. And so now this is like episode 200 with with Heyo. So it's not because of if anything, it's just me being lazy. So it's on me. You're also protective of your friends who get asked to do a lot of stuff, which is which is True. ultimately a positive quality, but uh, doesn't make for great podcast booking. But here we are. <laughs> uh, Heyo is is on the pod, and let's typically we we start with like people's childhood and stuff, but let's just get into the fun stuff. You're gonna do American Ninja Warrior very soon. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, as you guys can probably imagine, um, I hung up the boots two years ago. So it's like, what's next? What's next for me was have kids, right? That's what was after my um, my soccer career ended. And I'm kind of one of those people that are like, right. check the box, let's move on, right? <laughs> and so knocked out the one kid. Then he said, let's go. It's a pandemic. Nothing's going on anyways. Might as well. <laughs> knock out the second kid. Now he's got a sibling. So we're all set in that kid department. Right. So then my mind switches to like, what's next. And, you know, we have some various different career things going on, but, um, from an athletic standpoint and not that I got my, like, sort of like my body back, my fitness, uh, was returning. I always want like a new goal. And it's been challenging for me. And I think for like a lot of other, you know, retired athletes to kind of find what's your thing, what's your athletic thing after competing, like in your sport for so long. Um, and I was sort of always known as a fit and fast player. That was really always kind of my thing. I was very, um, yeah, anaerobically and aerobically like, um, yeah, competitive. Uh, but I just was struggling to kind of find like a way to channel that post soccer. So anyways, long story short, somebody hit me up on Instagram, a uh, casting director for American Ninja Warrior. I had barely watched the show. I think I just kind of flipped through it. Um, and I, my first thought was, well, that would be hilarious. 
and, <laughs> and tell me more. Um, and he just thought that I would be like a good contestant, like competitive. And I don't know if you really thought about like, if I would be good or not good or what, but that that's kind of irrelevant. Um, and I just filled out the application and I sent him my little video and next thing, you know, I'm heading to San Antonio in a few days to, uh, a qualifier, um, on American Ninja Warrior. And so it's been this really, really just random, funny thing. Uh, I've been sort of half serious about it. One, because I am competitive. So I want to do, like, yeah. if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well. Um, in this case, I have been humbled and have learned very quickly that these <laughs> people have been doing this for a long time. Yes. Uh, they're very good. They're way better and stronger than I am. And secondly, so much of my athletic qualities sadly do not translate <laughs> to American Ninja Warrior athleticism. So it's been a bit of a humbling experience over the last, like, I'd say I've known about it for about five weeks now. Um, I told Chris about it. I spilled the beans to Chris. And it's like the first thing, it's like, work on your shoulder strength, work on your grip strength, your hand right. strength. Because like, those are all things that like, Right. I have not done in my athletic career. So not needed on a soccer uh, anyways, field. this is a fun, random life experience. We'll see where it goes. YOLO, as the kids say, and um, <laughs> we're just going to like we're going to roll the dice and see what happens in my American Ninja Warrior experience in a few days. That should but be I a lot of training. Fun. I have been yeah. training. I wasn't at my best. Like I, you know, when you have a baby, you like have no core. <laughs> so right. I was trying to do pull-ups and I could usually rip out like four sets of 10 push, you know, pull-ups. Like I was decent, maybe 12, 13. I was like, you know, reasonably good at them. Um, weren't a focus, but I could do them. And then I had the, the babies and then like your, your core is just like shattered. So it took a while for that to kind of come back and then I could pump out my pull-ups again. And, uh, but you know, I've been going to this course, like about 20 minutes from my house where they have all the apparatuses, they got the rings, they got the walls, they got the rock climbing things. Um, so I've been messing around for the last couple of weeks and I've met, uh, a new group of friends, um, that have been, <laughs> that have been fun and interesting and, uh, yeah. And just kind of like met a new community and uh, yeah, a, a, a new vibe. It's definitely a different vibe than my, my soccer cronies. So I want to, I want to give a little bit of insight to, to the people who are listening, especially for those who, who follow you um, over the past two years with, with Will and, and, and the, what's the new baby's name? I'm sorry. I, Jack. I with Will and Jack, you and I have had conversations where it's like, Chris, I'm going to come back. Send me some workouts. Chris, I'm going to come back. I'm going to pop out this second baby. I'm going to come back. And then it's like, um, I'm going to do American Ninja Warrior. I'm like, what? What? Are you, what? Where did this come from? So it's not coming back. Uh, That's going a different direction. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. But I was actually, I was <laughs> actually very different direction. I was actually happy. So I was like, all right, cool. This will be a new experience for you, a new journey. We definitely got to work on grip strength because it's something that soccer players especially female soccer players are notorious for not having so we got to get we got to get you to survive that and i remember talking to you after one of your workouts at the course and you're like chris this is kicking my ass like this is something that i'm just not good at and it, it makes it almost fun because 
when you're good at something, you start to expect that I'm going to, I'm going to do so well. Like I, I get so competitive because I'm so good at this. I need to win. But when you're not good at something, you're just like, all right, I'm going to try my best and have some fun with this. So talk about that journey a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think to go back to what you said, um, when I was pregnant with my second baby, I think yeah, it did pop into my head. I little, little Tom Brady esque um, <laughs> Listen, I'm 37 years old. Do I still in my heart of hearts think that I could come back to soccer? Yes, I do. Because yes. I'm a freak. I'm a, I'm a competitive uh, beast and slightly delusional at times. But I think that that <laughs> self-belief has carried me so much in my career. 100%. And my superpower. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm convinced that I could come back to professional soccer. Um, but it would take a lot. It would take a lot. It would take a huge commitment on myself, on my family. Um, you know, at, at 37 years old, you got to not only put your time in on the field, but off the field. Right. Um, and I've had a wonderful career. It is probably best for all parties. If I don't <laughs> open that can of worms again, um, but yeah, I love competing and, and, and I love soccer. I think that it's like such a passion of mine. Anyways, so mentally, I'm still kind of like, they call it the grieving process of athletes, right? It's like, it's like you're sad for a while when your career is over, you're in denial, and it takes you a while to get to like acceptance. And I think that I'm very close, but I'm not quite there yet. Anyway, so I have these moments where I'm like, maybe I'll come back. Right. But that's just my in denial um, phase, right? So uh, yeah, I think that, that coming on to American Ninja Warrior, like it was uh, just something new and exciting for me, which I think that you're right. It's like, I've been doing the same, like very um, focused. Uh, and, and that's been, I think one of my strengths is my like focus over time, just my insatiable appetite to improve in soccer. I mean, I was on the national team for nearly 14 years. Yeah, like straight, like didn't yeah. didn't have any major injuries, didn't like wasn't left off many rosters, all that kind of thing. So it was a very like super focused, narrow driven, narrow minded drive for a long time. Um, so now this is a little bit of a different, like just dabbling in certain things, which I think is fun for now, but it doesn't really like suit my vibe. Um, I think like in career and in sports, like I'm like a go hard pedal to yeah. the metal kind of person. So, um, we'll, 100%. See. we'll see where 100%. this goes because I think that it's humbling and it's like, yeah, I think I am not good at it, but you know, you have to remember <clears throat> like my soccer career was like 30 years long. Like right. I always forget when I start out, when I'm doing like some new activities now, I have to realize like, this is early goings. This is like, well, how good was I at soccer in the seventh grade? I was okay. But like, I have to remember that, like, you got to start, like, you know, start humble and lay the bricks one by one. And, um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. I'm also running the Boston Marathon right now. So, oh, th those uh, are two two goals that go month. together well. Just yeah. marathon. Yeah. Well, and... that was my thing. I was like, they're very different athleticisms. So yeah. like, I can train them at the same time, right? And then I realized, <laughs> well, you can, but that's that's also very time consuming. Right. Um, so, anyways, I do think that running is something that's probably more up my alley. Like in yeah. terms of. Uh, a, a future hobby. 
Um, <laughs> but never say never. I'll, I'll see how the next month goes. I'll report back to you guys if I'm more of a marathon runner or if I'm more of a ninja. Uh, I think I know the answer to that already. Uh, you know, kind of as you as your trainer over the years, I, and I've told you this, I've admitted to you in the past that, hey, like on the programs that I give you, I actually leave a few reps off because I know you're going to do extra. Like I know that if I tell you, hey, we're going to do 10 sprints, I know you're going to do 20. And you're going <laughs> to be like, hey, Gores, I did 20. I know you told me to do 10, but I did 20 today. And I like I just knew that about you. So I would always program like <laughs> you a program set five for you. Yeah, because I that's because hilarious. I just know. Well, I I know that I know that's that's her thing. Like she enjoys yeah. getting in there, and that's that's the part that Heyo has always taken pride in. I'll tell a quick story. When you came down to Florida for the camp, um, in your words, you were like, "Gorez, I'm out of shape. You got to whip me back in. This may be my last season, so I want to come into it. I want to be fit. I want to be on top of my game. And I've been slacking, right? So you come in. I think you had like a, a, some sort of allergic reaction too, right? Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I had skin? like poison. I came in with poison ivy. It was weird. I, so I finally yeah. decided to do some garden work. Yeah, like first never time do of my that life. again. Right. Big mistake. Big mistake. <laughs> right. I had like raging poison ivy all over my body. It was horrific. So so, anyways, you come in and you've got all these conditions going on, and you're like, Gorez, whip me into shape. I, I I'm in bad shape. I got to get back there. And then like you just ran circles around all the girls that were there and they all looked at me and I was like, yeah, that's what national team fitness looks like. And by the way, like Heather is national team fitness and then some, right? Right. So she's top of the it, national it, team fitness. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you still, do you still hold the record for, for the beat test? I have not heard of it being broken. Okay. Let, let, let's throw that number out there. What's the record for the beat test? So everybody knows. Uh, I, I think that I scored a 68 on the beat. Jesus. Yeah. So, I'll, uh, I'll text Sonny and, and see if anybody's broken it in the last couple, <laughs> last couple of years. So the typical D one program is going to have their girls be somewhere around 35, <laughs> 35 to 40. And it, it was at 68. 68. So that, that gives you an idea of where she is. And I, oh. I'm, I'm confident that you could probably walk out there right now and, and do like 45 right now. Yeah, I did it. I, I, I have done it with UNC because I coach at UNC right now. I'm assistant coach. Um, and I just I got right around 40 when I did See? it with them a, a few weeks ago. A few um, weeks ago. Yeah, a few weeks ago. After I just, two you know, casually yeah. training for Ninja Warrior. Yeah, marathon training, very different than sprinting. Uh, 40 is fine. Yeah. 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 Um, the, well, the good thing is, I think, one, I do think that I was – genetically inclined to have, like I said, a good mix of anaerobic and aerobic capacity. My dad was an indoor track runner at Villanova University, or rather a track runner and held the indoor um, world record for a hot second there. I think his four by 400 team um, held a record uh, wow. that was you know, shattered a few weeks after, but for a while they held it in like the early seventies. And so my dad, uh, my dad was a runner. And so I do feel like I, I had a bit of a disposition for being good at running. Um, but I also, as Gore has said, I also work hard and I enjoy hard work and I put the time in. So I think that it was a good um, concoction uh, of both. Uh, yeah, both luck and work, which right. I think is absolutely critical as we all know. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Super Coffee. Front page right now of drinksupercoffee.com. 
electrifying flavor without the sugar shock. I like that. Good job, marketing team. That's good. Electrifying flavor without the sugar shock. And by the way, I told you this last week on the ads. The flavor has been updated. It's a little more electrifying. That's right. All the original OG ready-to-drink super coffees now come in a latte spin. So instead of the old mocha or vanilla or caramel, it's now mocha latte, vanilla latte, caramel latte. Tried my first. It was that happened to be the vanilla this week, and it was really, really good. It had that authentic coffee shop taste to it that was really, really enjoyable. It's delicious. It's still got the 10 grams of protein, and as always, zero sugar added. It's the thing that starts my day every day, and I don't crash any day because there's no sugar. So this sounds like a pretty ideal start to your day. All you got to do is go to drinksupercoffee.com. Use the code train with the best. You'll get 25% off your first order. Again, that's drinksupercoffee.com, and the code is train with the best. The Train with the Best podcast is brought to you by Jaku and the Jaku Speed System. This one-of-a-kind timing device is so easy to use that you can hold it in your hand, you can wear it as a watch, and you can measure down to laser accurate, like FAT timing system accurate times for your 40-yard dashes, your 100 meters, your 400 meters, your any kind of thing that you've really wanted to measure, by the way, including 5-10-5 drills and other agility drills where you might pass the start line twice. Yeah, you can't do that with the laser timing system because the laser goes once and then you're like, ah, crap, we already crossed the laser. You can't have two lasers there because then both of them would still go off. Well, with the Jaku, the timing device goes on you. That's how you start it. And then your phone captures your finish line, which allows it to delineate between, oh, wait, passed once. Okay, here's your first one. Passed again. Oh, your second. So now you have laser accurate timing that is consistent from rep to rep not only within a session, but over time, all on your phone. Never could do that before with 5105, could you? Can now. You can do it by going to jawku.com slash discount slash TWTB. That's jawku.com slash discount slash TWTB. And your entire order is 20% off. Basically, for your full service speed service, jawku.com slash discount slash TWTB. When in your life did you realize that you had that at an elite level? Was it something that like you're you're out there at seven year old soccer, like yelling at the other girls to work harder? Is it like middle school? When did you realize that both just from a desire and a capacity standpoint, you had something special? Yeah, well, I have three older brothers. Um, and so I vividly remember one, like it was my brother's try out for his local team and my dad just sort of like egged me on and told me to like get on the line and run sprints with the boys like at the end I think they were doing kind of like a speed test and I did okay like I didn't win I wasn't like dead last I did okay and I think that that sort of I don't know people loved it they were like laughing one that I had like the audacity to like get on the line with these boys that were like significantly older than me they thought it was like cute and endearing but also like they're like shit she did pretty good um and I always I really ate that up I ate up like when people when I like impressed people and I like when I impressed my family um and I like putting on a show I like performing um so I knew that like pretty young um in every gym class I was like such a go hard like I just loved I yeah I loved being like I don't know I guess we need not the man, but you know, the, the, the lady version yeah. um, of the playground. Right. Like I loved that. Uh, but I would say that it was probably about 
13, 12 or 13. And I think that's like a really interesting age for, for boys and girls, but particularly girls because the social um, environments are like, it's so strong and powerful. Right. But at age 12 or 13, I started to really kind of like separate myself from my peers, like in terms of how seriously I took practice and every game I knew the score and wanted to win and wanted to work hard and like started my, you know, some of my school friends, they were like good little athletes, but they didn't like, they weren't driven the same way that I was. Right. And so I think around that age is when I started to really recognize that I had something special and I had to pursue it and put myself into much more competitive environments. And that's when I, you know, sort of started my journey of what was called back in the day, like New Jersey ODP, mm-hmm. regional team, all that jazz, which is essentially starting to be selected for early rounds of the national team programs. Um, so I'd say, yeah, like preteen years is when I sort of uh, made that sort of decision. And when it was clear to, I think, everybody, including myself and my parents that, um, yeah, I was taking it pretty serious and, and I had a gift. So were you were you the leader of that pipeline, Heyo? Were you the first one to come out of that New Jersey PDA pipeline? Because at one point there was a handful of New Jersey women on the national team. Were you the first? Yeah. So so good point, uh, Chris. Our community in New Jersey had a lot of really good players. So Carly Lloyd, uh, a name that a lot of people probably know, was a few years older than me, and uh, we overlapped at a couple like with a couple coaches that we both shared and we went to a couple of camps and stuff together. So she was sort of doing that, that stuff a few years before myself. And then Tobin and I, Tobin Heath and I were at the same club. So I was a couple of years older than Tobin um, and sort of paved the way before Tobin did what she did. Um, and then of course, Yael and uh, Yael Averbush and some other players from New Jersey. So we had like uh, a really good, I didn't, we didn't come from, from nowhere, put it that way. We came from a real hotbed of women's soccer. Um, And I think that, you know, why that happens, why there's, I think that we had some really good coaches Uh, winning breeds winning, as I always say. So like you get this hotbed of, of players early on that maybe go to good colleges and then other people see that happening and want to be part of it. So whatever sort of happened in the eighties and nineties kind of set a good foundation, I think for our sport in that, that area, I think it, it was uh, immigrant heavy with coaches from, from England and Ireland and Scotland, uh, Germany that just knew the game and, uh, and American soccer blossomed from there. So that actually leads really well into one of the questions that I really wanted to ask you, which is, where did the motivation come from? Right. And you just answered it in part, like you have these other amazing players around you. You have really high level coaches, you're, you're driven self-starter, but ultimately typically when you have a goal, like you can see the goal out in the future. And when you were coming up, there wasn't a women's professional league that was consistently available. Certainly not one that was on TV. And I think it's really interesting because now we are a couple years away. I mean, really we're almost there of where we could have players coming into the NWSL that grew up watching the NWSL. That's never happened in women's soccer in America before. So what was the thing that kept you going? And like, even, I guess a better way to ask it would be like, what were you striving towards as you were putting in all that work, considering the, the landscape of women's professional soccer and women's soccer at the time? 
Well, I think um, there was a couple of events that I think were really sort of pivotal in my young life. And um, the first one was the, the Men's World Cup that was held in the U.S. in 94. Right. Um, so I grew up in New Jersey. So Giant Stadium was not too far from me. So as a nine year old, I went to the Men's World Cup. And that was the first time I was kind of exposed to like global soccer. Like, you know, we had tickets. I remember very vividly, we went to Ireland versus Italy. My brother, O'Reilly, painted like (laughs) Ireland flags all over him. We're juggling in the parking lot. Um, And I think that like, without recognizing it at the time, in reflection, I can see like, that was a really meaningful event to me. I think that it just like showed me how big this game was and how global it was. Um, and then, but, but women weren't part of that. I just, I didn't really care though. I just enjoyed playing soccer. I didn't really think too much of it. And then the next event was actually the 99 women's world cup, which was also, there was a match at giant stadium as well. And that one, um, I was around 14 years old. So that coincided perfectly with what I was just saying to you guys about how this was a really kind of pivotal time in my life. And I always laugh and look back. So I went with my club soccer team to those games. Our coach got us like group tickets and we went. And um, I'm not sure if you would remember, but InSync was popular oh. at the time. And InSync was actually um, set to sing the national anthem at that game that was at Giant Stadium. And so we all went down in like our minivans and like pumping InSync and so excited <laughs> to see InSync. And I was very excited to see NSYNC too. I mean, just in 1999, come on. Uh, yeah. Who, who come on. Timberlake I mean, in like, 99? Yeah, like, I was as big of a Justin Timberlake fan as, as anybody else, but I was also very excited to see this person named Mia Hamm. And I think that that's where my friends were kind of really jazzed up to see NSYNC. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, this is pretty cool as well. Yeah. And I remember just being so moved by seeing these women on the field, like, literally, I almost, I think I cried. Like I got emotional. I was just like, so I had this fire in me that was so strong that I wanted to do that. I wanted to be that I wanted to, to play on that team. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if that fire would have been as strong as if I didn't like actually visually see it and get those like visceral feelings, um, that, that sort of carried me. But I would say that, that, um, that going to that event at that age was was certainly uh, one of the more influential um, moments of my my sporting career. The Train with the Best podcast is brought to you by Momentus. And on last week's podcast, we had Patrick Dixon, the director of applied sports science at Momentus on the pod to talk about, amongst other things, collagen supplementation. And rather than have me try to explain to you what it is, here's just a snippet of our conversation from last week. Collagen is more than just cartilage, right? It's your tendons, it's your ligaments, it's connective tissue everywhere throughout the body. It's in your your teeth and your bones. Collagen should be taken 30 to 60 minutes before you train to make sure that you've got the maximum amount of the, the peptides in your bloodstream. You know, the reason for the collagen shot is because sometimes it's hard to get some of these supplements into our day-to-day, right? And we know that routine becomes really important. You want something that's easy. It can be part of your routine. So you get up, 
and on your way to the gym and all of a sudden 30 minutes has gone by and, and now we're in a better spot. Now, if that sounded interesting to you and you want to learn more, then, uh, well, congrats. You're the right listener for this podcast. So you should go back and if you didn't, listen to last week's. And then you should go to livemomentous.com and use the code TRAINWITHTHEBEST25. That's TRAINWITHTHEBEST25. Set up your subscription order with 25% off the first order and 15% off all the refills. TRAINWITHTHEBEST25 at livemomentous.com. The Train with the Best podcast is brought to you by Blaze Pod. Pew, pew, pew. New sponsor alert. That's right. We're partnered up with Blaze Pod, one of the coolest training tools out there that is really not just like, okay, it's cool. Yeah, it looks awesome on Instagram. It also will make you a better sport athlete and really a better athlete in general. We talk all the time on the podcast about how decision making is really the root of athleticism. Can you process information quickly, allowing your body to take over and do the things that you've trained to do? Blaze Pods allows you to train that decision making. It's a series of lights that you can program in any number of ways. And Chris and I are actually working on a bunch of videos and things that will help you come up with cool drill ideas and explain really the full array of how to use this amazing device. But it's a series of lights that you can use as visual cues to in random order by color or in a set pattern to practice your movement patterns and to have a true reactive nature to your drills. And it's the kind of thing that you can do even if you're solo. So if you're an athlete that's training and is like, man, it'd be really great if I had a trainer that was out here pointing to different cones or whatever, it's something you can do on your own to really elevate your game. And of course, we got the hookup for you. All you got to do is go to blazepod.com. That's B-L-A-Z-E-P-O-D.com. Blazepod, not pods, in terms of the website. Blazepod.com. Use the code TWTB, as in train with the best at checkout. TWTB it's 15% off. So go right now to blazepod.com and check them out. Blazepod.com, 15% off with the code TWTB. And welcome, Blaze Pods, to the Train with the Best family. I love to wrap up with this thought. Um, when you watch the national team level players now, when you watch the NWSL players now, like, I can see the evolution of the sport when I watch it, and I'm just a, a doofy sports guy who has no specific expertise in soccer, but you watch the the Trinity Robbins, the Ashley Sanchez's, the Sophia Smiths, and how skilled they are with both feet and all of these different kinds of things, the kind of the level of athletes, the strength they have. And, and when you watch the the evolution of the game, what are what are the things that excite you the most about kind of the current state and, and where we're going with with women's soccer specifically in the US, but also, you know, to to an extent globally. Uh, yeah, well, I think that, I think that you're absolutely right. Like the game has evolved a ton. And I think for a while I got like very sensitive when people would say <laughs> like, oh, this is the best level of the women's national team ever. And I'm like, well, what about us? We were pretty good in 07. Right. <laughs> and like, you know, it's, so it's taking me a little bit of time to be like, that doesn't detract what we did. Totally, because right, totally. we at the time, like we were, that was the best level. So I think that what really uh, I love about the women's game now is how much people are watching soccer, how they're like, no, women's, men's, they know the names, they know the things that are going on. I mean, in the early 2000s and even early 2010s, like people barely knew what cups going on. Like when I joke about 07, like that, you know, we went to China, we won bronze in that world cup. I'm sure that you know, we didn't even have a huge following. So actually the Nike um, slogan for that team was the best team you've never heard of. 
<laughs> and that just kind of says a lot about, well, right. no, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the U.S. Women's National Team. I'm sure you've heard of Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino. Like you've heard of these people. Right. And so, um, yeah, so just like, yeah, we've sort of made it in the, the public, you know, sports consciousness, I suppose. But on the field, the actual play on the field, I think that people are way more like uh, broader based in their abilities. Like you could make the national team if you were fit and fast and could cross the ball. I'm not talking about anybody specifically Uh, myself. I had some, I had some, I excelled in some areas and I like everybody knew what they could get from me. And that's what I was going to supply the the team. And now I, I, I don't think that that is sort of enough. Everybody has to have a larger platform of their like technique, their like tactical acuity. So every, you know, I would say that it's like, um, all the players are so much broader now in their athleticism and their, their soccer playing ability. And I think that uh, a lot of that is just because they've just been watching the game more. I mean, I would tune in, like I said, to watch a world cup or maybe watch Manchester United like once or twice a season, but now people are like watching the game, um, you know, watching champions league, just like really embracing the soccer culture. And I think that it's showing up on the field. The decision-making is better. Um, you know, you really have to break teams down now. You can't just rely on out-muscling somebody as much. So, um, yeah, just what's going on between the ears is a lot higher. And, um, yeah, and, and, and clearly everything from the physical dimension is, is improving as well. Just all the data sharing um, has, I think, spread out knowledge right so uh, across the world you can find out all right how many meters do you have to cover at what speed to be able to hang with the women's national team like you wouldn't know that 10 years ago and so you could kind of guess and get these kids ready in a way that you thought that they potentially could but now you now you actually see these speeds and these distances um, being covered so i think that that's uh that open information is sort of broadening out the uh the player pool if that makes sense yeah, totally. I think for, for all sports, information has changed the game uh, and, and as it should, right? Like the newer generations should have a bigger bag or should have a bigger skill set because they get to watch everybody that came before them, right? Like in the NBA right now, a rookie coming in like Jason Tatum gets to watch film of Kobe and, and Jordan and Dr. J and Dirk Nowitzki. So now his package is so complete and a, a, a player like Trinity Rodman gets to come in and, and be a little bit of Heather O'Reilly and a little bit of Alex Morgan, a little bit of Abby Wambach. Like she gets to be a little bit of all that. So that information that you're talking about is from the sports science side. Yes. That makes my job a lot easier because I know exactly what to, to get the athletes prepared for, but from a technical tactical side, they also know they've seen different runs from different players and different formations being played. So that's, that's the way that it is. So but that doesn't discount players like you who totally. were the bridge, who set the example. And, and that doesn't mean that you coming up in this generation, if, if we bring you back to seven, seven-year-old, seventh-grade Heather O'Reilly with the same determination and motivation and heart for this game, there's no reason why you wouldn't have learned how to play the way that they play today. So I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's weird that people say, oh, well, players are 
more skilled today. Well, yeah, because they have the information available to them. Right. Right. They're on, they're on the backs well, of the legends. Yes. Yeah, they are. And hopefully uh, Trinity Robin can pay me back and take me out to lunch or something. With the, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, new new uh, salary right. contract being signed because those contracts weren't around. Um, they should have been, but they, they weren't quite been. there yet when well, I right. was signing as a rookie. So maybe she can take me out to lunch or something to thank me. Well, uh, well they're there because of people like you. So oh, she, yeah. does, she does owe that to you. And, and the new generation does owe a lot to, to the Heather O'Reilly's of the world. For sure. And hey, if you're in D.C. and Trin won't take you to lunch, uh, one, I know some vets on that team. We'll, we'll get that straightened out. Two, you, Chris, <laughs> you just come up from Richmond. We'll go to lunch in D.C. It'll we got great. you. Hi. Nice, nice, relaxed, chilled you. lunch. All right, gotcha. uh, not on the Trinity Rodman dime. Uh Heather, this was fantastic. I would love to catch up again after you go through. Uh, I know there's there's like a period where you can't talk about American Ninja Warrior after you tape yes. it. Uh, but once you're yes. allowed to talk about it uh, and, and we can see it, uh, we'd love to have you back and on the And the Boston pod. Marathon. Right? I mean, there was probably... There- you know, I, I won't I, I won't let you in on the spoilers, but let's. I, I don't think there's a great chance that I will go to the next round. You know what? <laughs> never say never. Never. You know, so are we going to see? Mom now you you've always heard of moms <laughs> that are like picking up cars and throwing them to get them off their kids. So I just need to like channel that. Channel the mom's I will get across those rings and not on the water. And are we going to see on. like the classic Heather O'Reilly game face? Oh yeah. You're, you're gonna hear a lot of grunts. You're gonna hear a lot of moans. You're gonna see a lot of ah, keep grinding. Uh, and so you guys will see this all in May. I think uh, the episode will be mar- uh, airing in May, so I'm sure it'll be must see TV. Do you have a goal time for Boston? <laughs> yeah, I do hope to break. I hope to break four hours. So I mean, I, if I could get in the 340s, that would be cool. I'm not Jeez. a really great long distance runner. Um, I sort of get dis- distracted as Chris knows my attention span isn't like my, my best quality of all time. So I'm like, just like losing focus, but, um, can, can I'm relate. hoping that the energy of the crowd, uh, carries me. And, um, as they say in that Irish prayer, I hope the wind is at your back. So I, I hope that I have all the things going for me on April 18th, which is marathon day. Love it. Nice. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We will definitely do it again soon. And uh, good luck with Ninja Warrior and, and with the marathon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I, I can't wait to keep you posted.